Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify... Let me give you a rundown. Basically, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Here's how it works. Anchor lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to the most popular listening platforms, including Spotify with a single tap. Anchor is also the only place you can publish video podcasts to Spotify. With Anchor, creators can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.com to get started. I'm Jason E. Jones, and thank you very much for listening. Two, one, we're live all right, guys, it's the Moonshine Jones podcast. As always, I'm your host, Moonshine Jones. And as always, we have a sponsor, flagsoldhere.com. If you're looking for a flag, gay people, straight people, all people, blue lives, black lives, white lives, all lives, flagsoldhere.com. Contact DJ 423-774-2239. If you're looking for a flag, they've got it. By the way, there's this thing called a button, $20 magical button. What does that do for the rest of your life? For eternity, you need to talk with God about that. But for eternity, I believe if you buy this button, uh, 50% off 2050. I've been talking to my buddy here, and I'm, I'm getting into football. But 50% off Everything that they sell at flagsoldhere.com as well. Tom Sauce's company. Folks, he's a veteran. He defended you. Now take care of him. You want to go with Tom Sauce's company. Located on Facebook right now. That's how you get a hold of Tom Sauce's company. Tom Indorf, an infantry brother of mine, located out of Carrollton, Ohio, up in the northeastern, going towards Pittsburgh. Pennsylvania, Tom Sauce's company. All right, guys, you know what time it is, the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I'm excited to tell you today, I've got a friend of mine I've known for a long time, Michael Green, uh, I like saying 
philanthropist, philanthropist. I can't even say the words. Mike Green is a business owner, but what he's doing, folks, we'll learn more about this, is Mike is actually working with young kids, teaching them how to not just be good athletes, but also be good people. And we'll learn more about what Mike's doing and basically what his business stands for. Located on the Cumberland Plateau, where we're both from, Crossville, Tennessee. Proud Crossvillians. All right, Mike, welcome to the show. I'm Moonshine Jones, and you are Michael Green. Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself, but before you do, I want to know, who's your most influential American of all time? Moonshine Jones. What's What's up? up, What's up? Man, good to hear from you. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity for you to give me a voice and kind of articulate my opinions. Yes, sir. Um, You know, what you're doing for, you know, social media, uh, what you're doing with your patriotism, what you're doing for, um, you know, trying to keep that American spirit alive is something that, you know, should be envied by most and definitely respected by all. And uh, I certainly fall into both of those. So, you know, thank you for, for doing what you're doing for us. Uh, even though you might get ridiculed sometimes, man, don't worry about that. I got your back 100%. Means a lot, my friend. Means a lot. Now, here's the moment of truth. Number one American, when you look at the United States and the flag and our history, anybody can be anybody. We had, uh, I am drawing a blank, Dwight Purcell. We had Dwight on last night, and he said it was his father. And by the way, Mike, uh, let's go ahead and real quick pray for his father, just an unspoken prayer. Um, well, not unspoken, but uh, you know what I mean. Let's yeah. pray for his father, and uh, apparently he's not doing too well right now. He uh, he might have an issue with, with his leg and uh, letting Dwight know that we care about him. But back to you, what? who would you name – in the history of the United States of America, could be anybody who is your most influential American. Now he's coming straight out blazing with the tough questions. Uh, <laughs> you know, look, I, you know, America is a fabric that is tied together from a lot of different influences, and a lot of different perspectives, and a lot of different people. So, you know, that's a really tough question to answer because there have been so many Americans that have paved the way for who we are where we're at and uh, what we're able to achieve. So, you know, just to name one, man, that is that is the hardest question you can ask me because I don't think there is just one. Um, there's so That's what's so great about America is that there are so many people and our fabric runs so deep that uh, we can appreciate so many different Americans that have come forward and, you know, help with innovation and help with technology advancement and help with, uh, you know, kind of civil advancement. Um, with the, you know, helping the mindset of Americans uh, to create a, a more equal and more perfect union. So uh, we got a long way to go in America. I recognize that. But, uh, you know, together with unity, uh, we can all be people that uh, kind of contribute to seeing our country evolve to where it should be and where it needs to be and where it's going to be. So for you to ask me that question, who's the number one most influential? Man, that's I think just Americans are influential in the world. So uh, I can't name just one. That, hey, it's an answer. It's your answer. Okay, if the United States right now was sitting at home in Washington, D.C., 
Uncle Sam was, and he had a temperature, what would the United States temperature be between 96.5 and 105? Making it be higher than 105? It's like 110, 115. Well, then it is going to be 110. We're scalding hot in America, man. We are. We are totally divided by ideologies, by belief systems, by race, by gender. And uh, unfortunately, that's by design, I think. I don't mm-hmm. think that the stuff that we're going through has not been calculated. It's, it's precisely calculated. And the way that you're going to divide and conquer, you know, a nation is by creating the mess that we're in right now. All right, folks, you're listening to Moonshine Jones podcast right now. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Anchor, Google, and I'm also on Spreaker. Trying to work out the kinks on Spreaker, but we're on there. And we're on a few others as well. I think Piggly Wiggly has a podcast, and I'm all over that. (laughs) So, All right, so we'll get more into that in a few minutes. But right now, I want everybody that that is listening, actually across the world, I've been told i got a few infantry brothers that are listening um, around the world. Who is Michael Green? And go ahead and also we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about your your history and uh, who you are today. But uh, you're originally from you were born in Ohio, just like I was. Shh, don't tell anybody. Shout out to VOL. <laughs> hey, when uh, VOL keep it one hundred. <laughs> hey, when somebody says OH. I go, N-O. <laughs> that's how, yeah, that's right. how Ohio I now, am. Hey, one thing I got to admit, though, Buckeye fans are so annoying. Oh. Like, those those dudes have been used to winning so long that they're just obnoxious. I can't stand being around them. It, it, it is I, crazy. And I think living in Tennessee for so long has kind yeah. of humbled me. Yeah. <laughs> I um, and, and you know it's funny, too, people say that about Tennessee fans. I had one guy. He was an Alabama fan, and I was on his boat. And he goes – you know, you you uh, you Tennessee fans are just obnoxious. And I said, "Excuse me, coming from an Alabama fan, that's rich." I said, "That's uh, that's the pot calling the kettle blizzak." Right. So, <laughs> all right. So, Mike, um, when when did you fall in love with the game of football? So you mentioned that uh, I grew up in Northeast Ohio. Uh, I didn't move to. Um, Tennessee till after my eighth grade year, right before ninth grade, like in May. So it was kind of transitioning after eighth grade going into ninth grade. Uh, if you if you're familiar with Northeast Ohio, like you are, Jones, you know that um, being a Browns fan is almost a prerequisite for being an Ohioan. You know, so like I know it's tough, but you know you grow up in the era that I grew up in. It was pretty good Browns football. And, it was. Uh, you know, so it was the legends of the Browns then. So we're talking about Bernie Kozar, Ozzie Newsome, Webster Slaughter, Leroy Hoare, Kevin Mack, Eric Metcalf, you know what I'm saying? Ernest uh, Biner, Frank Merrifield. Yeah, yeah. Yep, Minnie so, Me, Hanford Dixon. Matthews, yep. You know, Frank Minifield. God, so, uh, you know, when it was, you know, there were so many times, I, you know, playing ball in my yard with my friends, uh, you know, pretending to be I was those Browns players, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that that's what really set the love and the passion. Like, I would cry when the Browns would lose. Like, it was just, uh, 
I had an obsession with, with them and, and kind of fell in love with the game because, you know, it was kind of a way for me as a kid to let my frustrations out and kind of vent my anger and uh, be competitive. And it built me to be the competitive person I am today. That's, that is, as I usually say, something pretty awesome, the way you describe that. That's why I want to have people on here of all kinds. We talked about this yesterday. I want to have people of all kinds of people, real people. I think people need to be inspired these days. People need to hear stories from real people. And listen, I'm going to tell you right now, I know people that that are that have millions of dollars in the bank as we speak right now. They're 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 lonely. Don't ever don't ever fall in love with somebody else's life as my dad would say because you don't know the shoes that they're they're actually wearing. Um, you have a lot of people that are very high level people that I've met over the years that are connected with some pretty bad people, and it's just a different uh, it's a different kind of lifestyle. Don't ever lose who you are. And we were talking about that earlier um, about some people that have uh, that have come from small towns uh, across this country and have kind of lost the the person that they are. And when you come from a small town, like me and Mike did, um, it just instills in you something a little different. Everybody knows your name. Everybody's in your business. But when people are in your business, they're also caring about your business. And it's it's called life. It's a pros and a con. But so we're talking with Michael Green here. Mike, go ahead and tell me when you moved to Tennessee, what was your, um, you had lived here before, um, three, four years old. You lived in Spring yep. City, which is just south of uh, Crossville, Tennessee. For those that aren't aware, Crossville is located on I-40 between Nashville and Knoxville, Tennessee, about 67 miles west of Knoxville. So when you moved to Tennessee, obviously, it was a culture shock as far as the difference in education, uh, this and that. What do you remember just moving from Ohio to Tennessee? What was what was it like for you? You know, I think uh, one one story I always go back to that you know was let me know that I was in the South was uh, you know I, I went to McDonald's with my family to eat and. You know, I asked them, you know, they asked me what I wanted to drink, and I told them I wanted a Coke, and she's like, honey, we got sweet tea, we got Sprite, we got Dr. Pepper, what kind of Coke you want? And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, Mom, where are we? <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, so that was like the first, that was like, you know, Toto, you're not in Kansas, you know, Dorothy, you're not in Kansas anymore. Yeah, right. So, like, you know, but, you know, look, there's some great people here. I love, you know, where I live. You know, I can't complain. I live in one of, like, the safest places on the planet, essentially. Like, you're not going to come up here and start a revolution in Crossville because, you know, we're going to be free in Crossville no matter what. So, um, you know, I, that's one aspect of Tennessee that I do like. I almost believe that Tennessee is one of the freest nations in the Union still today. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, you look at, if you look at Tennessee's fiscal responsibility, you know, it's almost written in their constitution that we have to stay in a you know, fiscal surplus. So our, our state does a very good job of managing business, low taxes, um, you know, low property costs, 
Uh, Tennessee is definitely business friendly and consumer friendly. And, you know, I hope it doesn't change. I know Nashville is growing into, you know, next level Austin, Texas, kind of liberal. And I couldn't say it any better. You know, that aren't happy about that. But, you know, this is the culture we live in. People want to go where there's growth and where people are going to get return on their money. And people that are, you know, have that ideology that are living in New York, California, places like that, they're going to want to move to where there's a low tax environment, to where they can take advantage of low business startup costs and all of that stuff. So, uh, you know, I can't blame them for moving to Tennessee, but man, leave your politics there. Yeah, when you I was... Know, go ahead. Uh, you know, we I think, I really believe liberalism is a mental disorder. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that people that are in this liberal camp that really need to kind of reassess their priorities because you know they've infiltrated america and they've changed the fabric and what we're about what what we represent um you know i i am personally for equality for everybody and justice for all you know that's something that i think is the cornerstone of who we are as a people and if we continue with the liberal mentality then we've got to come back and shore up the roots and make sure that we can reestablish who we are as a people and get away from you know we need a code to live by and uh, we've gotten away from that code in America. And I think that is really hinder our growth and see how things have kind of transpired since then. Yeah. No, excellent. Yeah, definitely. You know, I want to you know, go back and you want to go back to Barack Obama's presidency. He's the one that set the president for all of it. And George Bush set him up and kind of gave him the keys to the castle and said, here you go run with it. And people were so ready for a change after George Bush that Obama essentially had free reign and, he really did fundamentally transform the United States, and that's why we have all this socialism talk, all this crazy stuff going on, transgenderism and all of that stuff. You know, look, I'm not against you. I think that I love all people, but I'm saying some things that you, how you live your life is how you live your life, but don't push it down other people's throats, essentially, because if I'm not going to start a problem with you, don't come start a problem with me. And, you know, if I don't agree with you coming up to my, you know, seven-year-old, nephew and being like hey let's go read this story and it's about transgender yeah i don't want that around him no yeah so like and so now we've got this backlash where we've got to kind of have to kind of draw back towards the center a little bit and there's both fringe parties right there's fringe right and fringe left if we come back to the center and we can agree start agreeing on some core principles and values of what it is to be an american maybe we can heal some of this divide that we've got going on that's why I've really been pushing on my Twitter page and anybody that interacts with me on Twitter that, you know, we need to start a new American party. You mm-hmm. know, there's, you know, I know we have an independent party, we have a green party, but we need a true American party that gets back to American ideals and Americans, what we represent as a whole, as a people, and not be so divided on race and gender and all that stuff. Excellent points. Okay, so I, w- I want to know, we'll get more into that, and there's there's going to be time to talk about that, about where we are in our country and what can we do to make a change. I want to know, you you came to Cumberland County High School and I was there at the same time. Um, I was like a lot of people. I had potential. I was six foot two. Um, I think at the time, probably 185, 200 or something like that, which, you know, is good. I mean, like a lot of people, there was there was potential, we'll put it that way. But things kind of change in life. Uh, people have different uh, home lives. People don't have, some people have more 
support at home, excuse me, have more support at home than others do. And um, that's one of the keys to being, when you're younger, it's amazing that we have all these opportunities the younger we are. And the older that we get and the more that we learn, the less opportunities we have. It's funny how that works, but what well, it's all about getting it's all about getting exposure to those resources when you're young, right? Yeah, the more yeah. exposure you have when you're younger, the more opportunities you're going to have as you get older. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of times where parents don't even know that these resources even exist, or if they do know they exist, they don't know how to use them. Right. So I think that hurts kids, especially in this Upper Cumberland area, where uh, people just don't realize that they have these resources to access, and when they do have the resources to access, they just don't know how to use them. Okay, so I want to get to uh, a time in the history of Cumberland County football that people aren't aware that are listening right now. They're like, Cumberland County football. Well, even today, people go, question mark. (laughs) You You came to Cumberland County and was a part of, during your... Let's see. You came you in. You were going to move to Cumberland County and go to Cumberland County High School. The time that I came here was the time to do it. Yes, it was. You know, we were blessed to have a lot of talent coming through that time period. And, um, you know, from 1997 to 1999, we were pretty loaded. And, uh, you know, I was very fortunate to be able to, uh, you know, contribute highly to those teams over that, uh, you know, course of time. So, um, you know, when I came here, I think I had a chip on my shoulder. I had something to prove. I wanted to show everybody that I belonged and that I could play. And uh, I think that's what drove me here was to prove a point that, hey, I'm just as good as you are. You know, you just because I'm not, I didn't grow up here, doesn't mean that I can't help contribute and be, you know, a player on this team that you can count on. Absolutely. And just going to think about it, man, even though I look at these people in a different perspective than a lot of other people would, there was so much talent in that backfield when you were there. And when I was there, um, it started off with... um, uh, Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Where are we at? Yeah, you got to go back to Heath Swallow. Yeah, he, you got to go back he, to Nick Davis. Yes. Gotta, Sean Jones. Sean Jones, yep. You got to look at all those guys. They kind of paved the way. And, uh, you know, when it was our turn to run with it, we were able to run with it pretty successfully. Yeah, uh, Kyle Kyle Eldridge, Alex um, O'Brien. Those guys really, I will say this about Kyle. Um, 
he really he really took under the wing. He really was a good leader that uh, that that team needed. And I think I think a lot of the guys that I was with they really uh, they really paved the way for the George Potter. George ended up going to Carson Newman with Larry Walker, and for a lot of people that aren't aware. We've had one Division I player in the history of Cumberland County football that was actually at a All-American level, um, and that was, was uh, all- the Crossville Comet. Yeah, Kurt Watson. He was all-time leading rusher at University of Tennessee for a long time. And it's crazy to be 67 miles west and to be in between Knoxville and, and Nashville and to be up on this little mountain and to just it's 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 really sad that more players that we played with didn't go on to do great things in athletics we all make decisions i can think of a few players right now that i'm not going to mention but had all the talent you know, in the world you've got to look back to george potter too how that's just kind of a story that is you know, very intriguing and very interesting at the same time. It's kind of sad. He could have went on and played the D1 football. I think that he probably could even went to the NFL. If he oh, yeah. Been, I think got a little better. Um, you know, he had he had D1 scholarship offers from Tennessee, Ole Miss, NC State. And because they weren't full scholarships and they were only partials, um, you know, he decided to take the – the full ride to a D2 school. Yeah. But if you look, if he would have signed with NC State, Phillip Rivers would have been his quarterback and Terry yeah. Holt would have been the receiver on that team. Yeah. Yeah. He would have had Phillip Rivers and Tory Holt to play with then, who went to the NFL. Yeah. If, if you're 6'5, 265 tight end that can run a 4'6 and that has got great hands and knows the game of football and how to be an athlete, and you're going to get touches, you're going to get catches, you're going to get playing time. And another player, Barry Dilly, a friend of both of ours. Uh, Barry, if Barry was a few, we were talking about that off uh, off air just a few minutes ago. If certain players like yourself would have had a few more inches, that is the complete difference. When I went to Middle Tennessee State to try to walk on as an outside linebacker, defensive end, completely raw, but they gave me a look. Uh, the athleticism that I saw there was remarkable. But I saw some of the same talent in a Kyle Eldridge, in a, in a Barry Dilly, um, just absolutely relentless when it came to uh, base just football. I mean, these were the kind of guys that were the ones that you wanted to go to battle with. Yeah, absolutely, man. Barry Dilly is probably the best middle linebacker I ever played with. I mean, he was hard-nosed. Uh, man, you could smart. always count on him to make play. Smart. Yeah, instinctive football player that just would lay the leather to you, and uh, you know he he had the swagger to go with it. So you had to respect Barry. Yeah, and there was uh, there's a team called Oak Ridge, which has lost a little bit of the luster, like a lot of teams, like a Riverdale has, uh, Murfreesboro Riverdale has over the years. I don't know T Higgins. Yeah, look at T Higgins. True, but. They didn't have the level of success that they had when we were playing them. Right, right. Um, but uh, and then take a look at Riverdale. I mean, they've they. If you're Murfreesboro Riverdale, at one time you were putting out Fernando Bryant's 
Sean Bohannon's. I mean, offensive linemen that were just yeah, just going to. Uh, there's there's a talent right there. Um, that were going to uh, Florida State. It was just at one time Alabama and Florida State and a few Tennessee players. But I mean, Eric went to Alabama if you recall, and then he transferred to Tennessee. I remember that. Yeah, and then he went to talk to him. Oh, did, he did! Wow, how about he that? He went to talk to him for a season. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of interesting interesting story. I was there when he played there, and man, they put him up, and like you thought, this guy was Michael Jordan off the campus. <laughs> you know, they they wanted you know they wanted him to stay there so bad, and he was he was ineligible to play. And, uh, you know, he stayed there for a year, practiced with the team, uh, worked out with the team, but they ended up transferring and again. And, you know, you kind of never heard of him again. But uh, And those stories happen. They the, Those stories happen all – you know, Sean Bohannon, when I was there, uh, obviously the playing time didn't happen for me because you got to kind of put it all together. And that was one thing like a lot of other people uh, in the history of high school football uh, that didn't put it together. But – Watching him on the field, Sean Bohannon was remarkably – I mean, he was so incredibly talented. He goes to Alabama. They put put weight on him. He puts weight on himself. I don't I don't know all the this, this situation there. But – and next thing you know, he just kind of fades away. But the talent – he was like a LaMarcus Coker, uh, if you remember, at yeah. Tennessee. In fact, I was looking at it, LaMarcus Coker, another talent – um, I talked with a guy that played with him and at Antioch in uh, yeah. in Nashville. And to this day, he's got an 89-yard run at Tennessee and a 91-yard run at Tennessee. So yeah, he's a blazer, sure. what, it, what it does is just shows you you've got to be talented, you've got to be lucky, and you've got to be talented and lucky to really uh, to move along there. Now, we're talking with Michael Green here. Entrepreneur, business owner, uh, philanthropist. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give up, man. I'm going to give up on the word philanthropist. I'm going to say it for you. I'm going to say it for Phila- you. <laughs> Go ahead. Philanthropist. Philanthropist. There you go. <laughs> hey, I remember a lot of times my coaches in high school were philanthropist at me. So, um, right. Because uh, yeah, there was there was potential there. But okay, so we're moving along. Um. The when I was there, your freshman year was '96, correct? No, yeah. no I'm sorry, it was '90. Right. Was it '96? It was '96. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so Cumberland County football at that time was obviously you're playing you're 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 a 5A school, which at the time in the state of Tennessee was the highest level that you had. You had one through five. Now they have six. Cumberland County was locked into a Knoxville region with Oak Ridge, Farragut, where uh, Bill Bates went to school. Uh, people that are Georgia fans would listen and and know that, uh, yeah, we won't go into that play but um, for Tennessee fans. But uh, Farragut, Oak Ridge, Clinton at the time. I mean, this th- that, that district was loaded. You take a Cumberland County team in 96, you put them where they are now, who knows what we would have accomplished? Oh man, if you take those teams and put them in three A, you're looking at a quarterfinal finisher, semifinal finisher, probably year in year at out. At least. So move me along here. 
to 97. By the way, people that are listening right now, and we have a lot of former teammates that are listening, uh, shout out to all of those guys. Um, I hope that uh, this this would be probably the first conversation that I would know that's been really in-depth in what happened at Cumberland County. So, moving along here. You're going to really put me on the spot, Joe. I, I, you know what, man? These, this is um, – I'm really proud of what you guys accomplished. And it, it was really uh, – it was great to see. Uh, I will get into uh, – I will tell you real quick, my friend. Uh, moving along, we'll go back real quick. But uh, I'm at Middle Tennessee, and um, all my buddies are transferred from Auburn, Clemson, Miami. A buddy of mine was uh, Jeff Littlejohn. He was the all. He was an All-American defensive tackle that signed with uh, Miami, then went to Clemson, and then uh, went to Middle Tennessee State. Ended up doing uh, ten years in um, the Arena Football League. But uh, they were all like, "What are you doing tonight, Jones?" I'm like, "Well, my high school team is playing in town tonight in the first round of the playoffs." They said, "Oh, let's do it, man. Let's go." And uh, somebody said, uh, hey, what y'all doing tonight? Man, we're going to go watch Jones's high school team, man. We're going to do that. And they said, well, oh, okay. Uh, where? And this dude was from the area. Uh, I think he was from, I want to say he was from Bearden. And I said, uh, and they said, where? what high school? And I said, Cumberland County. And they said Cumberland County at the same time. Man, he called them over there real quick. And if people don't know, we'll put it this way. Where we're from is where we're from. Cumberland County was well known. Is um, If there was a favorite celebrity for Cumberland County, it would be Betty White. <laughs> so, the guys... I believe that one alone. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying. So, the uh, he looked at them and he goes... Man, get over here. Next thing you know, five of my buddies, they go, no, nah, man, we, we we can't go, Jones. <laughs> I said, what? So I ended up going to the game, and uh, uh, it was it was after you had left, obviously. It was 2001. But um, Coach Watt uh, took a team that was running the wing. I think they were running the wing tee, and they took it against uh, Riverdale, and it was just – it was what it was. It was an absolute bludgeoning. But – so moving, so going back, ninety-seven. There was a spark in the team. I think you guys. What'd you guys go that year in ninety-seven? What was the record? So ninety-seven was a five and five finish. That was my okay. sophomore year. Ninety-eight was a seven and three finish. Uh, seven, uh, the ninety-eight team is the team that we went to uh, Oakland and played at MTSU. Right. So yeah. before we get to there, what did you see? in the players that you played with. And by the way, again, he swallows Nick Davis, Sean Jones. I mean, just on and on that, that, uh, that backfield was absolutely, I'm going to tell you right now, I love watching Chris Nick. Farrell. Yeah. Chris Farrell. Absolutely. I love watching, uh, Nick run. I love watching you run. Nick had those, um, he had the taped up, you know, uh, the high socks or whatever. And, uh, it was like an Eric Dickerson style of running the way, and he, he like a Roger Craig. Um, yeah, he was like a Jamal Lewis type of yeah, runner, man. Yeah, he was. He really was, and it just shows, man, the talent that was was on that team. 
what what was the difference between '97 and '98 on that team that uh, that made you guys um, so take 96, that leap? '96, uh, Coach Pack was our coach. Uh, he stepped down. He mm-hmm. was there for one season. Uh, then they brought in Mark Wattenbarger. Uh, Mark Wattenbarger. You know, kind of changed the program, man. He is the one that lit a fire under us. He was a hometown boy. Uh, just came off a state championship uh, with uh, Jermaine Copeland down in Harriman. Uh, he was the head coach down there. And, uh, you know, he, man, Mark's an excellent guy. He knows how to call plays. He knows scenarios. He knows how to put you in a position to win ball games. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of offered us some stability then. And, uh, you know, we were a young team in 97. Uh, that was a real maturing year for us. You know, Barry Dilly was a junior. George Potter was a junior. All those guys, Matt Zach, James Marquis, uh, B.W. Davis, all of those guys were, you know, juniors then. So, you know, playing in that big-time 5A ball, and in 97, we went to the Chattanooga region. Uh, you know, that was – so we, we went from one killer stud region in Knoxville to a killer stud region in uh, – Chattanooga, which Red Bank, Saudi Daisy, Hickson, Hickson, right? So, uh, and, you know, when we were, and at that time, uh, the Bullocks brothers, Josh and Daniel Bullocks, who played at Oklahoma, and then both of them went to the NFL, you know, we beat those boys every year we were in high school. So, uh, you know, we we played some stiff competition. Uh, Gerald Riggs. Y'all are familiar with Gerald Ray. Oh, yeah. He was a big-time running back at Tennessee. I think he played for the Dolphins for a couple of years uh, as a reserve. And, uh, you know, he's a big-time ball player. His dad, Gerald Rick Sr., was a big-time ball player for the Atlanta Falcons. Super Bowl champion with the Redskins, and he played with the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, so, uh, you know, so we were playing some big-time football down there. So it's not like we stayed up here in the Upper Cumberland and we were playing Livingston Academy and right. Smith County. Cab County, Fences County, you know, we were playing big time, you know, uh, teams that could really go win it all. And Red Bank did win back to back 2000, 2001 when Gerald was there. So, um, you know, we, we really, we really came and we had to mature a lot. We had a lot of leadership. We had a good foundation for going into the 98 season. And, uh, man, we were really able to shock the world. Uh, I remember we were playing down at Red Bank, um, in 98, that was my junior year, and uh, I, I, I scored a touchdown right before halftime on a, about a 30-yard run to tie it up 7-7. The only thing that I can, the only thing that I can uh, maybe question Wattenbarger's um, personnel is on special teams mm-hmm. because, you know, obviously he wanted a lot of kids to be in the program. He wanted a lot of players to come out. He wanted us to be heavily dressed when we come out to our games, right? He wanted 75-plus kids on the team. Yeah. So, you know, we were playing a lot of B-team players on special teams, but anybody that's an avid football fan or knows anything about football, you got to know that special teams is a third portion of the game. Oh, like absolutely. Field position counts. Every yard counts, right? So, um, to open up that Red Bank game, we kick off. And, uh, man, Gerald takes that thing 98 yards to the house, open and play. And we're at Red Bank on their homecoming. <laughs> right? So we're everybody looking at each other. Because we just, man, we just came off a huge win, right? We just beat Cookville the week before, 13 to 12. How many everybody, times, how many times has Cumberland County beaten Cookville 
in the history of Cumberland County football? I did my two two times, two times. And you were there probably. And I was there. I was. I participated in the second one. I had a big game in the second one, actually. Um, and uh, so, man, that Cookville game. But let me get back to Red Bank. I'll go back to Cookville. Uh, Red Bank, man. So it's seven seven tied at the half. And talking about Barry Dilly, Red Bank had this running back named Chad Billingsley. He went to Liberty University. Okay. And uh, Chad was a heck of a running back, man. Chad was what she wanted in the running back. He was a stature. He had the size. He had the speed. He had the vision. He had the cut ability. Uh, you know, so they ran uh, a buddy of mine named Miguel Crawford that I played with at Tuscaloosa was the offensive lineman on that team. And he remembered this play because he's the one that pulled and let up on, on Barry. Because mm-hmm. we later happened to watch this film in the dorm room because we were reminiscing about it, whatever. But Barry got to the hole. I'm talking about fractionally too fast, and Chad was so good, he cut that thing back in a crease that you had to fold paper to fit through and took that thing 75 yards to the house. But Barry was so instinctive and read that play so good and keep his guard so well that he hit the hole just slightly too early. Right. If if Barry Barry makes that play, we're talking about we probably have a good chance to beat Red Bank. If we had been frazzled on on their homecoming, they thought it was going to be a blowout. Yeah. You know, it was a team that they're like, oh, it's Cumberland County. We're going to come in there. We're going to wax them, and it's going to be – we're going to go party after the game. Right. No, we came in there, and we busted you straight in the mouth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you know, because the week before, we just beat Cookville. So, we were on a roll. At that time, we were 3-1. and one. So, so, yeah. So, what I'm – moving along here, um, tell take me to – I can say one thing about the Cookville game. Okay. Okay, so – um, our defense was so good in 98 that Cookville in the second half didn't get a first down. Golly. That's not a joke. Watch the tape. Oh, I'm, I believe it, man. That, uh, our, defense, our defense was that good. There were teams in the history of Cumberland County football, and that 98 team would go down as one of the best teams in the history of Cumberland County. It has to be the best complete team ever. The uh, the Kurt Watson team, I don't, you know, we don't know a lot about them. What was it, CW? Um, uh, I always forget. Look, let's just talk about the '98 team for a second. How bad Cumberland County football was before that '98. Oh yeah, absolutely. Cumberland County hadn't made the playoffs since 1982. Yep. Before 1998, and I got to give hats off to Coach Watt because you know I think he had three playoff appearances at Cumberland County and a five-year period. And we hadn't went to the playoffs in 16 years before he got there. Now, I will tell you this. My brother, Jeff Jones, had ended up going to Cumberland University. Uh, he dealt with some shoulder issues. He, His team in 90, 90, I believe it was, went to the Nurseryman's Bowl. And that was that was a big deal back then for Cumberland County. But um, so moving along here, give a shout out to my big brother there, Jeff. Jeff, yeah, Mister Car Salesman. Hey, if you're looking for a car, Jeff oh man, Jeff, my friend Jones. And by the way, real quick, yeah, man, my brother, he is eight years sober, and the person 
and the 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 character it takes to turn his life around the way he did is just you know it's just an honor to call him my brother he's been there for me through thick and thin um everything and he was there when i graduated from fort benning uh, which is funny 10 years after i would have graduated high school and i got my ged and uh, we all do this and we do that in life but you know this is i that that 90 team or, yeah it was the 90 team um that my brother was on had uh, kevin hedgecoth um and by the way while we're at it i want to i want to mention um oh i cannot believe i just had it um you may have heard of him with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He played at, um, I cannot believe... I've met way too many people in my life, but um, he played at uh, Cumberland County and ended up going to uh, Carson Newman. Um, yeah, uh, Calvin, Christopher. Calvin Christopher. I'm sorry, Calvin, wherever you are. Actually, um, Heath reminded me a lot of Calvin. And now, I'm we. What we've got to do? We got to tag all kinds of people in this, and hopefully, they can listen because this isn't just for everybody. This is a good uh, rundown the history of uh, of Cumberland County football. But Calvin Christopher, let me tell you something. I I came from Powell as a kid in Knox County, and Jeff Jeff played as a freshman at Powell in the level of football and the program that Powell High School was, and multiple players that went to Tennessee, all kinds of players, and and Marshall University and everything. Calvin Christopher, if he would have been on that 98 team, you could have had a state champion. I mean, and and we won't you, get – that 98 team should have been a state championship anyway, anyway. Anyway. You you keep a healthy Nick Davis, we are a state championship. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm saying is that Calvin Christopher, man, there was – Sean Summers at Oak Ridge, I remember as a freshman on the sidelines and watching Calvin running around literally like Tim Tebow out there because let's be honest, there wasn't a ton of talent out there and the talent that was there wasn't being produced the right way, wasn't being brought along the right way. That was the biggest issue. But watching, I'm telling you, Calvin, oh my Lord, that dude was, that dude was, he was really, really talented. Um, I would put him up there uh, with, George Potter, Larry Walker, yourself that's come out of Cumberland County, uh, Kurt Watson, all the, the – uh, and we haven't even mentioned um, – uh, I can't believe, you know, now I'm 42. Um, played with you at Tusculum. Kevin Walcott. Kevin Walcott. Sorry, Kevin, if you're listening, but Kevin Walcott, I – What's that do? Wow. Stud, bro. Wow. He's the all-time leading receiver in Tuscaloosa College history. I believe it. 
That's not a joke. And now he was he was on that he was on that ninety eight team, right? Yeah, me, him, and Ben Whitson all with the tough one together. Woo! Oh, Ben Whitson. Yeah, I've, Ben's now a, uh, a lawyer, isn't he? Or is, is he, he was is, a banker? He's for a, a banker while. now. I'm sorry. Ben is actually on. We'll have to tag Ben on this one too. Uh, ben had an arm. I, ben was a great, great kid, great guy now. But um, yeah, um, Kevin Wolcott. I mean, what? That that '98 team, and we'll get into it in a second. This has went from me and you talking about world affairs to the Cumberland County. But listen, man, this is stuff that a lot of people don't know about. They they don't know about these names. And if people are listening right now, it's great that 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 we can talk about this because as far as much as I'm aware of, there's nobody in Cumberland County's media or anybody like that that gets into these stories. But um, oh, these, these are some pretty good stories, too, man. I wish we were able to kind of share these a little more because uh, there's a lot of tradition there that this, that these teams can come back and instill into the teams of the day. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do now here with the project that I'm working on now. Yeah, and we'll get into that. I do want to talk about the 98 playoffs. I want to talk yeah. about that team real quick, and we'll, and we'll cut it after that. But if you're listening and – you are uh, a Cumberland County Jet, or you even went to Stone. Um, the fact that Crossville and Cumberland County, if you're listening to this right now, there is tradition out there, and we're bringing up that tradition right now. A lot of names out there, um, people that that we haven't mentioned. A lot of people. Yeah, there's, there's kids these days that don't even know that team existed. And you know what? What needs to happen is you you need to. By the way. Mention Eric Dishman. Eric Dishman, a little – I mean, that dude right there was all Cumberland County, along with his father, John, that passed away uh, years ago, uh, the voice of the Jets, and then went on with Stone. But uh, Eric Dishman, I mean, so many Marquis, so many guys that were offensive linemen that uh, yeah. that really, you know, that really set the tone. About Gary Rogers. Gary Rogers. Yeah, absolutely. Talk, yeah, you got to talk. You got to talk about Matt Zach. You got to talk about Martin Kimbrell. Yes, you Martin talk, Kimbrell. You got <laughs> to talk about uh, James Marquis. Yep. You know uh, Matt Erickson. Yep. Uh, Derek Bowling. Yep. All of those dudes, man. They they were Conway some, uh, Tabor. Yeah, Conway Ta- <laughs> Conway Tabor for sure. The the so, uh, uh, yeah the uh, the little guy. Um, so moving along here, so this 98 team, on the outside you had Kevin Wolcott, and on the, uh, on the inside, who was your wide receiver there at the, uh... B.W. Davis. Okay, so B.W.'s right there, okay, and then coming, then coming inside, who was your... We we ran a wing tee. Okay. You guys Uh, ran a wing tee on that team? Yeah, we were okay. on that team. Okay. Uh, you know, so me and Eddie Witt were the wings. Eddie Witt. That, that they, kid they, was talented. Yeah, they, they used us a lot in the passing game because we both could catch well. So, yeah. You know, we were in multiple sets. We ran uh, – we kind of ran a twins package mm-hmm. um, from under center with two tights, and then we would run a single wide receiver with a single tight end and two wings. And uh, we still threw the ball, I mean, probably 10, 12 times a game. 
uh, even though we were in a tight set with the wing tee. Um, you know, I probably had 30 catches that year and probably 90 carries. Put that team so, in a pro-style offense with, with Kevin Wolcott on the outside. I probably had about 150 carries. I don't even remember how many carries I had that year. I'm trying to think back. At least 15 a game, right? At no, but, but what I'm saying, though, put you guys – obviously what Coach Watt did worked, but put that team in a pro-style offense, put them in a pistol, uh, put Kevin Wolcott on the outside and just uh, go with a deep fade, throw it right over the top of the coverage. I mean – Oh, we had, we had the protection to do it, too. Uh, yeah. So, you know – Man, we really just our our defense was so like we went to Udawal being Udawal fourteen to seven and our defense was just lights out the whole game. And uh Patrick Flanagan and Gerald Riggs were competing for a city Russian title that year. Oh wow. Yeah, so and we shut out Patrick Flanagan. He had like fifty yards rushing. Wow. Yeah, dude, it was uh, our defense was just stacked. So basically we ran the wing tee to control the clock and let the defense win it. Yeah, but again, I'm just you. Know, you look back and you say, with that talent. Now we haven't even mentioned your quarterback. Yeah, I mean Ben was our quarterback that year. And let's see, where was George at? George played tight end. George was tight end. George, when George I was there, the move to, yeah. George made the move to tight end his junior year. Yeah, and we haven't even mentioned uh, Larry Walker. Yeah, right. I mean. The that what was beautiful about those days, you would see somebody. I mean, I moved to Europe. I I moved from I went to Europe in eighth grade. Moved to Europe with my mom in Holland. Came back, left it. I was five eight. Came back and I was six foot one. And it was just amazing. Like you take a Larry Walker. He started off as as basically like a wide receiver tight end, and next thing you know, he's working in that mill and getting in the gym and just turned into a monster. That Yeah, no, Larry was a beast for sure. His, uh, his strong side defense. Go ahead. No, he, got him, he, he did so well his senior year, he earned a full scholarship to Carson Newman. Yeah. And Carson Newman was no joke back then. They no. They were competing for C2 national title. And Kevin and uh, Ken Sparks, you know, my yeah. my heart goes out to him. I, I coached a little bit in high school. Uh, more of a motivational kind of guy, but uh, Ken Sparks brought me in to Carson Newman and uh, basically sat sat me down and let me sit in with the coaches and the, the players and and learn how to be a better coach. But um, so on your uh, on your strong side, your weak side, you had you had Harlan. George, and then you had Harlan. Uh, was George George defensive end or was he outside linebacker? He was uh, Sam Backer. Sam Backer, gotcha. So you had Harlan Walker. We haven't even mentioned Harlan, what, what he was. The yeah, Ernest Ernest Biner of the team, the heart. Um, you had Harlan on the strong side, and you had Larry on weak side. Is that how that went? No, Larry was strong side. Harlan was weak side. Okay. And uh, Barry was in the middle. George. We, had, we ran a 50 front with yeah. three backers and right. one safety and two corners. And um, we rotated for that, that will linebacker spot was rotated. There was a lot. Weston played a lot of weak side backers. Uh, Jacob Conley, Nick Davis, 
Yeah, Jacob Conley, Weston Potter, George Potter's yeah. brother. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, Brad Holt was Brad Holt was a weak side corner. I forgot all about Brad. Brad really. It, there was so many people that contributed to that team. Yeah, huge contribution from a lot of people for sure. And uh, who would you say was the heart on that team? Who was the heart and soul of that team? Oh man, you got a guy that you're looking for. He's gonna go uh, like a Kyle Eldridge. He's gonna look at somebody and he's gonna go. This is what's gonna happen. He brings everybody. Yeah. For me, who did I look up to on that team? Yeah. Nick Davis. Nick Davis. Well, he was the heartbeat of that team, and I was so sad what happened to that dude, man. You that, know, he tore his he tore his ACL his junior year, and then came back and tore the other ACL his senior year. It was just sad. And uh, you know, even though he was he was kind of sidelined, he was still the heartbeat of that team, man. Wow. That is all. That gives me goosebumps. You know, just thinking about. That team, because I remember going to the uh, – now Now we'll move along here. Um, set it up at MTSU down the road. That's where I would end up. But set it up, 1998, first round of the playoffs. You're playing Murfreesboro, oh, Oakland. Murfreesboro, Oakland. And I remember the guys – now listen to this. I talked to – I'm standing in line – at um, getting uh, lunch or breakfast or something, Wardell Alsup that played yeah. at Oakland looks at me and he looks at me and he goes, he goes, damn, you got some big old. He said, you boys are country as hell. He said, <laughs> he, said right. he said he took a shot from, uh, he mentioned Larry. He said, I took a shot from that Larry Walker. And he said, damn. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, man. <laughs> in that game against Oakland, Wardell made the play of the game for them. Yeah. Yeah. He really did. It was uh, in the fourth quarter. We were up 14-7, and they had a quarterback, Robbie Knight, who was an All-State guy. And, man, he just ripped one down the sideline. Who was an All-State on that team? That team was – They had three loaded. linebackers that were All-State. They were so loaded, man. <laughs> we lost to those dudes. We lost to those dudes 14 to, 20 to 14 in overtime. And we had to, we had them beat we had them beat fourteen zero with five minutes left to go in the game. Yeah. Okay, so bring me back to the game. What was the what was the game plan? Um, where would you rate the game, the game plan? The game plan was control the clock, get four yards a pop, move the sticks, give our defense some breathing room, and stick it in when we can. And personally, we didn't utilize George enough. We could have probably scored a lot more points than we did because we played a lot of close games. We played a lot of 21-14 games, uh, 17-14 games, 13-12 games. Um, but you 14-3. won those games. That was the key. We won those, right? We won, we won those games. So we were, so the game plan, we, we really executed the game plan against Oakland perfectly. Um, you know, me and Eddie both rushed for almost 100 yards. I think I had 90-some yards. I think he had, like, 105. Mm-hmm. I had a touchdown. George had a touchdown. Um, we basically just controlled the clock and put the defensive position to win a game. So, and I hate to I hate to say this, man, but, like, it was 7-0. 
seven seven zero at halftime. We score in the middle of the third quarter to go up fourteen zip. And off the sideline we're kinda of shell shocked. We're like, holy crap, we're about to win this game. Right. And uh so turning point of the game, uh into the third quarter, our defense had held them to like the fifty yard line and they were gonna punt it back to us, try to pin us deep, and it was a shallow punt and uh it hit one of our guys that I'm not gonna mention. Uh, it hit one of our guys, and they recovered the ball because it was a fumble, and uh, they recovered the ball in like the 15-yard line. And uh, three plays later, it's 14-7, and the momentum totally shifted. And, um, you know, I'm talking about like five minutes in the game, five minutes left to go in the game, it's 14-0. to zero. They get that turnover touchdown. We get the ball. We go three and out. Next series, that's when they hit Wardell on the 50-yard go route. Yeah. And Walcott was literally, I'm talking about an inch from tipping that ball. I mean, he was right on him. He couldn't have played better coverage on Wardell. On that right. Play. And, um, man, he caught the ball. They tied it up, 14-14. We didn't do anything. Um, we go to overtime. What was, uh, the, the uh, what was the mentality before you get into overtime? What, oh, man. what was the mentality on that last drive when before you get into overtime? Coach Watts' butthole was so tight. Yeah. So tight. And when we were up 14-7 before we gave them the ball back, all we had to do, there was literally three minutes left to go in the game. We had the ball. We get two first downs. That game is over. And all we did, we went three and out on our next possession. And we punted the ball right back to him. Yeah. If we would have got George the ball and or, or opened it up a little bit, I think he was just so scared to put the ball in the air. Yeah. But, man, there was nobody on that on Oakland's team that could match up physically with George. Yeah. If, if we would have got that guy the ball and got two first downs, we could have milked the clock and got out of there with a victory. And, and you know, the funny thing is, is after Oakland beat us, 14 to 20 to 14 in overtime. They didn't have a close game for the rest of the playoffs. Right. They beat Hendersonville in the championship game, 55 to 10. Yeah. I'm just, I just, it makes me sick thinking about that, man. I still, I, I still can't watch the tape. Well, you know, and and I know we're. This is as far as I'm aware. Um, this is the most in depth coverage of that game since that game um as far as i'm aware probably yeah released it released to the public for sure anytime i see these guys we talk about this game and yeah heartbreak well it is and but you know so what what do you what do you really um i guess about that season and that team everything happens for a reason and unfortunately you know, it is what it is. I, you know, I, I think that is like I think that season is a picture perfect portrait of who and what Cumberland County is. Mm-hmm. It has so much potential. Yes. It has so much yeah. that they could offer its community that sometimes it gets complacent and fails to do. Yeah, and that's. That if you were going to give an analogy of Cumberland County as a community, I think that season kind of sums it up. It's a really awesome place, and there's a lot of good people, 
but sometimes it just doesn't reach its full potential. Yeah. Now, with that being said, tell everybody this is going to be one of the, the longest shows I've done, but actually it's almost like talking to a hot chick. <laughs> it, it really... Whoa there, Jonesy. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> you know when you... You know when you're talking to... When you're talking to somebody and you're not even, you know, you're not looking at the time. How many times have you talked to somebody and you're like, yeah, I'm looking at the time because this is my, this is my podcast. But it's, it's so good to, to break this stuff down. Now, moving along, um, tell me a little bit about what, what's going on with what you're doing now. So, um, after I got out of college. Uh, I went to Tuscaloosa College, played football, played football there for three seasons. Mm-hmm. I transferred to MTSU. I got my um, undergraduate degree in finance. I uh, went to Charleston Southern University, and I got an MBA. And then I went to Ohio University, and uh, I, I got uh, a master's in healthcare administration. Uh, Charleston Southern and Ohio U, I went online. So I was able to work and kind of continue to advance my career. Uh, my first real job out of college was in healthcare. I uh, was uh, district manager over 16 assisted living facilities, which was uh, strenuous work, and uh, that kind of seg- that kind of gave me the experience I needed to move into my next job, which uh, worked for Wells Fargo Bank as a relationship manager in the senior housing finance group. Uh, worked there in Scottsdale, Arizona, for three years. Uh, then I I got tired of being out there. I love my job at the bank, but I got tired of being out west, and I came back home and I started this project called Upper Cumberland Athletic Academy. Uh, we started in 2018. Uh, it's been going for three years now. And uh, basically, we just want to see the youth in this community have uh, the resources they need and the guidance they need uh, and the facilities that can kind of help them uh, advance and what they want to do as far as it's athletics or academics or whatever. We're there to support the community and the kids of this community. So uh, we've been doing that. It's been going strong. Uh, COVID kind of knocked us out a little bit, man. We had you know, 70 clients plus in, in February, and uh, last month we had 12. So it's just kind of really, COVID's really hurt us. Uh, we're trying to keep it alive right now. Um, I'm actually coaching at Stone High School, uh, coaching football, coaching DBs over there. Right nice. Now too. nice. Yeah, so trying to, trying to continue to keep giving back like that. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to see what happens in 2021 with the UCAA project. Well, you know what, man? Just stay with the course. You know, things are – you've got 12, but you don't have 11. You don't have right. 13, but you've got 12. Stay with what you've got. Um, stay, just stay the course, man. Be- you know, we, you know it's, it's this whole COVID thing has really, really put a damper on, on everything right now, man. It's really tough. There's a lot of unpredictability out there right now. And, yeah. You know, we're just trying to maintain our current operation. Fortunately, uh, you know – who we rent from has been, you know, they've been very gracious throughout this whole ordeal. Yeah. And uh, they know that what we do is very sensitive, especially because it's got to do with kids. And, uh, you know, we we want to make sure that the safety of these kids and these athletes are, you know, of the utmost priority. So, uh, you know, the kids that do come, though, man, i tell you what, those kids that do come, though, they are really, really taking off and, really making big-time gains. We work with several high school kids, some several college athletes, some middle school kids, and some elementary kids. So, mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, we're just trying to keep it alive right now. And when you're working with DBs and you're working on technique, if I could, I, I, I did an interview with um, Mo Couch that played at Tennessee, and the biggest thing that I took from that interview with him and talking with people that played at Tennessee under a Derek Dooley or even a Butch Jones was the development. There wasn't the development. What what are you what are you doing with your DBs to make them the best Look, that they it, can it, do? It all starts with the with DBs, particularly. It all starts with the base and the footwork. Yeah. Right. Um, and your vision and your feel for the game. So you know, we want to make sure that your feet are right. We want to make sure that you're in position to make a play, and uh, we want to get you to where you're going as quickly as possible under control with the ability and the knowledge and the foresight to make a play on the football. Gotcha. So we want to train the feet, the mind, and the hands so that we can make a play. And talking with former players like at Tennessee and other places, when you're a freshman, you're a freshman unless you're an Eric Berry. When you're a sophomore, you're a sophomore, but now – the instincts start to kick in. As a junior and a senior, it's no longer thinking. It's instinctual. It's like yeah. a Barry Dilly, what we were talking about, at linebacker and things like that. The game just slows down for you. The game slows down, absolutely. What, um, what do you feel with, uh, with the DBs this season? Um, what do you feel the strengths are and what do you feel like your weaknesses are? Man, we got a lot of kids that are coming out here ready to make plays. The mentality's good. Uh, they're strong. They're fast. They're physical. Uh, I think Stone's got a good opportunity to have a really good year this year. There's no reason why Stone can't finish in the top two in the region and make the playoffs. Um, you know, they had a little bit of a down year last year, but that was a big-time uh, transition year because the, the first year that uh, Derek Stamber was there, um, you know, they had Thomas Arnold. Thomas Arnold was a phenomenal kid. He was uh, Mr. Football, quarterfinalist in 4A. And, uh, you know, when you lose 40 touchdowns off of a team, oh, yeah. you know, r- running and passing, and then you're trying to fill that void with a kid that's half the athlete, you're going to have a drop-off in production. And uh, that's kind of what they were dealing with last year, and they kind of had to change the kind of who they were as a team because, you know, Thomas was the end-all, be-all. And, you know, he was such an elusive player and uh, such a, you know, strong-hearted kid that all he did was make plays. When you take, you know, he threw for 1,000 and ran for 1,000 and had 40 touchdowns. When that, you know, that that's pretty rare air right there. So, what, uh, what are you trying to accomplish on your defense? Um, do you run a 4-3? Do you run a... Do you run a three-three stack, or I'm okay? Not give, I'm not going to give away too much, right? But, you know, when, when we're when we're pass heavy, you know, when we're pass, we're playing against a pass heavy team. We're, yeah. we're coming out probably in the thirty front with yeah. a little stack action, right? right? Yeah. And then, uh, you know, when we're playing against more run heavy teams, we're going to switch between the four and five man front. So. Yeah. Okay, I got you. Um, I almost said, and and before I asked that question, I'm like. Because the other day I did an interview, an amazing interview with uh, an infantry brother of mine, and we talked about – and it's it's different, but it's in the way kind of the same. We talked about uh, what his mission was in Afghanistan, and when I was talking, I knew to watch my wording because he couldn't get into certain specifics about the Taliban and things like that. Now, obviously, 
<laughs> defensive. That's a little more confidential than some high school football, but. <laughs> Oh, that's great. You got to tell the coach that one. Like, yeah, I did an interview with uh, with a buddy of mine, and uh, he likened uh, Stone defensive uh, philosophy to uh, dealing with the Taliban. Yeah, right. <laughs> we're coming out hunting the Taliban is what we're going to be like on defense. Bro. Woo! Firing them heads up, man. Um, yes, sir. Man, I, I got to tell you, uh, we there is – we just we just scratched the surface, and I like the um, I like the charisma that we both I like the the chemistry that we have here. Um, I'm gonna figure out a way we can get you. Obviously, we'll try not to get it this long because this is by far the longest uh, episode I've had in in a short uh, period. But um, this was so great. You're Joe Rogan. You're Joe Rogan, and I'm Alex Jones. Yeah, well, I'm I can be Alex Jones. Uh, by the way, check out these vitamins, Austin, Texas. Um, <laughs> no, I was Alex Jones was Joe Rogan's longest appearance. Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, it was his gotcha. longest interview ever, right? Yeah, because there is a lot to get into it, Joe Rogan. With uh, excuse me, with Alex Jones. Alex, do you eat at Wendy's? I try not to eat at Wendy's because with Wendy's. You just don't know if it's backed by aliens. Yeah, right, right, right. But uh, I think it's one of those things where I think he has a lot of good points, but the fact that... Let me, let me, let's break it down like this. Alex Jones is... Well, let's put it down like this. Alex Jones might be crazy and a kook, and he's a showman, right? I mean, I think a lot yeah, of... Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. To, try to, sell, to try to make money, right? But at the end of the day, man, he woke up so many people. He did. He really did. That dude woke up so many people. The right people instead of being woke on the left. By the way, right. how you left Ohio University and didn't catch a little bit of the uh, the left wing bug, I'm I'm very happy to Man, fortunately I was on online. So okay, I gotcha. Have, I got gotcha. Yeah, I was working from the comfort of my home online. Yeah. Look at look at you. You're like, man, I was at Charleston, I was at Minnesota, Minneapolis Tech. I was in yeah. South Dakota, uh, Western uh, uh, Tech, Catholicism, right, right. you know, Christian. But, um, well, man, we we will end it here. I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna put this. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put this up. And uh, please tag. You know, like I said, please tag former players and and people that I don't have on my page. And um, I really, I really think that people will enjoy going down memory lane. And also, the fact is, we won't talk about who and things like that. But the fact is that we're proud to be. Man, I've lived in Vegas. You've lived in Scottsdale. We've lived everywhere. I'm, I'm proud to call Cumberland County, Crossville, Tennessee, Prentice Street, off of Fourth Avenue. I'm proud to say that that's where I grew up and I, you know, I grew up in Powell and grew up in, in uh, Crossville, but I'm from Crossville and I'm proud to be from there. I'm proud to, to call people that live there now, people that I went to school with and I'm proud to call it home. So I hope people get that from this interview and this, this conversation that uh, we, we went down memory lane, but we, we, we tried to be, as respectful as possible, but we also we covered a lot of things that again on the radio this haven't been this hasn't been covered before. Steve Randall, 
Kerlin County Jets football. He's still here and kicking, bro. Uh, he's 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 a fantastic person. We've talked before, and and back in the day when I was ready to to live on Mars, every day that I was doing something different, he was like, "Jason, good to see you." Good to see you, Jason. Here we are live, Cumberland County Jets Stadium. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Um, but, uh, you know, the memories that we have, and and I think there's a lot here, bro. I'm looking forward to um, figuring out how we can continue this uh, either on a weekly basis or um, a regular basis to where we can talk and uh, cover sports right now that I'm not watching, and we will get more into that down the road. But um, it was a real pleasure to have you on, Mike, and um, and I mean that, man. You know, we've we've went to the swamp together. Unfortunately, that was a day we'd like to forget. But the fun that we had together as friends, me, you, Matt, Eric, we we just had a we had a great time, you know. And um, it's uh, it's great to call you a friend, and um, I'm really really proud of the man that you become. Uh, and um, and also, I uh, see that you uh, you have a, a woman in your life now, and um, it looks like you know I'm, I'm fantastic, hoping fantastic yeah. woman named Carla. Yeah, uh, we are expecting a child. Uh, wow, Aria yeah, Gabrie- Aria Gabrielle. Uh, she'll be here in December. It's my first one, man. So I'm really excited about it. Well, I'm sad that you're not going to name her after Barry Dilly, but uh, you know. <laughs> Maybe the next one. <laughs> Barry's listening. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, I'm really, uh, and I mean that truly, um, I have been up and down through trying to find my way in the entertainment world, and I've tried to stand by what I do. But uh, it is truly an honor to speak with somebody that is giving back to the community, that admits, hey, I'm not perfect, but what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to show I'm trying to be a mentor to our young people, and that is something very important. And I'm, it's just a real pleasure to have you on, man. Thank you so much, Jones, and likewise, man. You're a great friend. I uh, appreciate you always keeping in touch with me over these years, and uh, I'm proud of you too, bro. You've come a long way. And yes, yes. Job I, I, what you built. I really, uh, I got to say before I let you go, um, I was born in Mansfield, Ohio. Shh. But I was also born at Fort Benning, Georgia, and the person that uh, that came out of basic training was not the person that went in. It changed my life. It made me appreciate so much. It showed me that I can overcome any obstacle that comes in my way. But also, you have to have faith. You have to have, believe that that what you're doing, you're you're putting everything you have into it. But if you work hard. You can accomplish anything, man. I will let Firm you go, my, man, my brother. I will let you go, my friend. And uh, again, thank you for joining us. Um, please, yeah, go ahead, man, and uh, tag. Please tag and share and talk to everybody you can because I think we we covered a lot of stuff that really hasn't been covered. Cool, I'm with it, bro. All right, my friend, we'll let you go. That's uh, Michael Green. You can find Michael on Facebook, MySpace. I'm just kidding. And uh, tell, still have a MySpace out there. <laughs> tell everybody again uh, your business again, the Upper Cumberland. Yeah, Upper Cumberland Athletic Academy. It's a project we started back in 2018, and 
you know, we're just looking to keep it going, keeping these uh, young people uh, focused up, trained up, and armed up. And if people could, if they want to donate to um, to helping, uh, how would they go about doing that? Uh, you can hit me on uh, Cash App or PayPal. All right. And uh, if you want to, if you want more information, just feel free to uh, private message me on my Facebook page or on my Twitter page. What is your uh, email? So, uh, you can hit me up on my Twitter page at uh, Coach Green underscore UCAA, and then you can hit me up on my Twitter page there, and uh, then we can I can give you my cash app and my uh, PayPal. Excellent. Well, um, real quick before I let you go, Stone's first game and August twenty seventh uh, against Grace Christian uh, at Grace Christian in Knoxville. Wow! And what? As of now, August twenty eighth. Excuse me, August twenty okay. eighth. What is the what is the um, situation as far as fans go? Uh, there's going to be social distancing with masks at all games. Okay, but um, so. if you do support Stone or Cumberland County football or high school football in the state of Tennessee, uh, you can go to the games and you'll you wear a mask, right? Yep, and you have to sit uh, social distance, and it's going to be every other row or something like that. Okay, got you. Well, you know, the good thing for this, for Vanderbilt, it's not going to really affect their attendance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had to. Yeah, Vanderbilt had football's to. already got a virus. So it yeah, matter. exactly. Um, Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt football is the virus. <laughs> I still can't believe. Man, I, it was uh, in my that I could remember in my life. 2005, Jay Cutler, Vanderbilt beat Tennessee in Knoxville, and I, it was the first time that I could remember Vanderbilt beating Tennessee. So we got to get that turned around. But hey, awesome man, you keep doing what you're doing, and I believe that uh, you're going to be on the podcast more times than you're not. I'd like to, uh, I'd like to do, you know, obviously with uh, what we can talk about or not, but. If you'd like to cover maybe high school football, we can talk more about that. We can also go over the game of what Stone uh, did the week before and kind of go over maybe the opponent. There's a lot of different avenues we can cover. Hey, man, look, you you write out the agenda and we'll just talk about it. Hey, sounds good. And remember, I enjoyed this conversation, but not that much. Uh Yeah, and give your – Give my best to your uh, to your love, and uh, congratulations on the baby, man. Thank you so much. All right, brother. See you, Joe. All right, brother. All right. Bye. All right, that was Michael Green. What a long conversation that was, um, but a great conversation. If you are listening right now and you're in the Cumberland County area, you're from Crossville, guess what? We're proud of you, and we hope that you're proud of us. Because uh, being from a small town, is there's a lot of things involved there. But I'm about to jump off of here. And I just want to tell you guys, I really appreciate from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate the love and support that you've shown me. And to people that maybe don't agree with what I'm saying, I do hope that you understand that I respect your point of view. And as Americans, that's the most important thing. We may not respect, excuse me, we may not agree, 
but we do try to respect each other. And that's what makes the melting pot, the United States, such an amazing place. What a great, great episode this was. Able to go back and and cover some things with Cumberland County football in Crossville, Tennessee. And able to talk with Michael Green, a former teammate of mine and a, a good friend of mine. And somebody that is really impacting his community where he lives. We need more people like a Michael Green, folks. If you're listening and you're a father or you're involved with, with kids in any kind of way, we need people that are positive role models, whether it be in the African-American community, in the white, whatever community, doesn't matter. Get out there and get involved and make a difference in these kids' lives because they are looking, they're hungry for somebody to take the time to care about them. Things may change. Cell phones may come along. We may progress, quote-unquote, in society. But the number one thing is that our kids are the future. I'm Moonshine Jones. Again, we're always sponsored by FlagSoldHere.com. Contact DJ at FlagSoldHere.com, 423-774-2239. And also Tom's Sauce Company. Tom Indorf, an infantry brother of mine, he took care of you by being in the military, USMC. Now take care of him. Buy the sauce, delicious sauce. Out of Ohio, Tom Sauce's company. Also, Matt Combs, still selling cars. Matt Combs, the guy that you're looking for when you're looking for a car. Not my brother, because my brother's already sold too many cars. (laughs) I love you, Jeff. All right. You can contact Matt at 931-267-3985. He works at a Ford dealership in Sparta, Tennessee, has tons of inventory out there. If you are looking for the right car, he will do whatever he can as long as it's humanly possible to get you in the right kind of vehicle. That's Matt Combs Car Sales, 931-267-3985. Thanks again, guys, for listening, and let's go ahead and do it. Why not? Oh, say, can you see... By ye the dawn's early light, what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight o'er the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming. And the rockets ring clear, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, say does that star spangled Man, I yet wait o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave.
Good night, America.